Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Childhood Conversations with Mary Massani. I'm glad to be back with you for another topic in relation to child development and child well-being. Today I'm going to talk about a subject that may bring strong emotional feelings and memories to those parents and caregivers who have experienced physical punishment as a form of discipline during their own childhood. I will be answering three key questions which will help us to cover the topic. The first question is whether smacking and spanking, hitting are appropriate forms of discipline. The second question is why do we still have parents and caregivers practicing physical punishment as a form of discipline? And finally, we will talk about the alternative discipline methods and how we can help those parents and caregivers to move away from physical punishment. So let's start with the first one. Whether smacking, spanking, hitting are appropriate form of discipline. Throughout history, parents, caregivers, and teachers have hit children to try and teach them a lesson. Physical punishment of children was generally accepted worldwide until not long ago. However, many studies and information became available about the harm and the damage that it causes to children both in short and long term, which led to many countries banning corporal punishment at home and in school. Internationally, any form of child physical punishment is considered as a form of child abuse by the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child. There are many debates on the differences between hitting and smacking, for example, and how they both can damage children's health and development. In some countries, for example, smacking have been considered illegal among all other forms of physical punishment. However, in other countries, Hitting is illegal, but smacking is still okay. So how do we define this? Why smacking is still okay and hitting is illegal? Where do we draw the line? How do we assess the emotional impact of smacking and hitting? The question is that, how can we describe smacking and how do we describe hitting? Do we have a definition for each? Of course, there are definitions for each of them. But when it comes to the emotional harm caused by each form of punishments, it's not easy to uh, to identify. According to some research, physical punishment can work temporarily to stop problematic behavior caused by children because children are afraid of being hit. But it doesn't work in long term. And it can make children more aggressive, stressed, and might encourage more bad behavior. So if we look at another study that has shown that children who have been physically punished during their early years were more likely to endorse hitting and physically harming as a means of resolving their conflicts and issues with their friends and siblings at home and in school. Now, if we look at the second question of why certain parents and caregivers are still practicing physical punishment as a form of discipline. 
As adults, we think we know the best in how to discipline children and we know everything. We don't assess our parenting approach and the discipline methods. If we don't assess the forms of discipline that we use, we might damage children not only while they are young, but it will stay with them until adult life. Some studies, for example, have shown that if we had a healthy childhood, without any form of physical punishment, the chances of becoming a parent that uses a form of physical discipline are lower. Of course, it's not always guaranteed by parents' childhood experience, but can greatly influence their beliefs and practices. On the other hand, I am sure many parents had a great and brilliant childhood experience and grew up in a loving, healthy environment. My ask is that to think about the things that you didn't like as a child and check to see if you are following the same path with your own children. Sometimes we need to think how much life has changed over the decades. Do we still follow our grand-grandparents' lifestyle and way of living? Do we still do the same things that our ancestors used to do, such as hunting and killing for food? The answer is that we are moving forward with everything else around us. Why not stop and think how do we want our children to grow? Do we want them to experience a healthier childhood in comparison to those parents who had a bad childhood experience? Do we want to create a safer and more loving environment for them to fully develop and feel safe while moving into adulthood? If yes, then we need to rethink about some of our beliefs and practices such as physical punishments and physical disciplines as some may call. I always say to my audience, rule number one, we need to unlearn to learn. And that's not an easy thing to do. It requires a lot of effort from your side, but it's not impossible. I personally had conversation with many parents who believe that physical punishment will teach children a lesson and they will no longer repeat the bad behavior after being physically punished. And their main justification for their point of view is that they have been hit and physically punished during their own childhood and they still became successful adults. What do we think about this justification? Does it make it easier for parents to follow their experiences and physically punish their children? Of course, family backgrounds and childhood experiences aren't the only reasons behind why parents and caregivers still practice physical punishments. There are many other factors that have been identified through research and studies, such as lack of knowledge, for example. Parents and caregivers, they need to acknowledge the fact that becoming a parent a caregiver doesn't mean they will know everything on how to best lead their children. Sometimes it's best to seek help or support to learn more about positive parenting. And those who can help parents and caregivers to identify alternative methods instead of physically punishing children.
The next uh, factor could be cultural beliefs and differences. Many parents claim that they use physical punishment with good intentions. There is very little evidence to support this statement, of course. And in most cases, they are not aware of the serious and permanent damages to children's development. Another example is that many cultural beliefs support physical punishment as a form of discipline and encourage the communities to follow the same method. The next factor, which is parents' own stress and aggression, many parents might be going through a stressful situation and that can include financial difficulties, physical and mental health issues. Of course, none of these examples should give a good reason to punish children physically. Parents and caregivers, they need to be aware of their own physical and mental health in order to ensure they can deliver the best they can for their children and to seek help to support their own mental health. To sum up the discussion, I have prepared few tips to share with you today, which can be used as an alternative method to physical punishment. Tip number one, you are the role model. Children imitate what we do as adults. I can't tell you how important is this. Children learn respect or disrespect from how we treat them and how we treat each other as adults. When children live with disrespect, they learn disrespect. If they live with respect, they learn respect. We should empower children and help them to have a healthy development into adulthood. Using physical harms such as smacking, hitting and spanking can damage them for life. We can teach children respect only by modeling and treating each other as parents, for example, and caregivers with respect and by giving children the same respect we expect to receive from them. Tip number two, healthy conversation. Parents and caregivers should first start talking with their children about appropriate means of resolving conflicts arguments and rule breakings to teach children about healthy conflict management skill and to build a trusting relationship starting at early years. How adults respond to a child's bad behavior has lasting effects on their development and their adulthood. It will shape how your child will think, behave, feel and interact with others. And that's why we need to watch how we react to bad behaviors towards children and what types of language and tone we use as they will start modeling us when it comes to conflict management and discipline methods. Tip number three, take away privileges. Take away the TV time, the video games time, their favorite toy, or a fun activity for the day, and they will have a reminder not to repeat that mistake for the reason of not losing their favorite toy or activity. I have heard many positive uh, comments by parents using this tip. Taking away privileges. 
Tip number four, praise good behavior. I personally really like this one. It doesn't just apply to children, I guess, but also adults. Many studies have shown that to prevent behavior problems, we need to be catching children being good. So what do we mean by that? For example, when they are playing nicely with their friends and sibling, point it out. Say, you are doing an amazing job, darling, for sharing and taking turns during your playtime with your friends and siblings. You might not see how this would help your children in staying on track with good behavior. For example, by praising them for good behavior, they will get more attention, care and love from you as a parent and caregiver. And this has shown that it will encourage children to move away from bad behavior and to seek your attention through good behavior. Unfortunately, you might have heard of this, some parents never comment on anything positive until there is a bad behavior, until there is something going wrong with the child's behavior. And this is when they start losing their temper. Now tip number five, we need to give clear and simple directions. You will be surprised to hear this statement, children tend to act on what they heard as the last thing. And they may forget or not think about the don't at the beginning of your sentence. They will only act on the last part of what you are saying. Of course, this is for the younger children. So try to give clear direction and make it simple to understand. For example, tell them what you want them to do and not what you don't want them to do. As an example, don't mess your room, but rather keep your room tidy. Do you see the difference? Don't mess your room, but rather you can say keep your room tidy. Or another example, which I also really like, is put the book in the bookshelf. Instead of saying, don't leave your book on the floor. This is why we need to see everything from their side and not as a parent. Sometimes if we assume that they, the children, they need their own language to communicate with them, we will be making things clear and simple. So try to keep it clear and keep it very simple in order to deliver the message the way you want it. Tip number six, stick to the rules. Some parents will keep changing the rules and their minds depending on how they feel and how good or bad their day has been. For example, if you have agreed on a list of bad behaviors, then don't change your mind from one day to another. This for sure will confuse your child and makes it harder to stick to good discipline. Of course, you will need to think how realistic are the rules that you have established with your children. It is always advised to start with fewer rules and then you can build up on them. And you can always adjust and agree on a new sets of rules accordingly. And one final tip in, in terms of the sticking to the rules 
is that we need to make sure that the parents are on the same page. We can't confuse children by having uh, one parent saying it's okay to do that and the other parent saying no, it's not okay. So as a husband and wife, as partners, you need to agree together what are the rules that you want your children to follow. And if you want to have an external conversation, don't do that conversation in front of the children because then it will dilute the restriction or the, the rules that you are trying to share with the children. Tip number seven, know when not to respond. Of course, this doesn't mean when you are facing a danger situations or when your child is at risk of harm. And I'm not suggesting you should ignore your child at all. However, sometimes ignoring the bad behavior can also teach children natural consequences of their actions. For example, if your child keeps dropping her biscuit or his biscuit on, on purpose, they will soon see that there are no more biscuits left to eat, for example. And this response on its own will be teaching children that they will not always get your attention. Sometimes it means not getting what they want by their own actions. And the final tip that I have prepared for you is time out, not a naughty corner. I know some people use naughty corner. So it's time out and not a naughty corner. A time out need to be done with a good preparation and agreement. And what do we mean by timeout? As a recommendation, you don't always need to set a specific time for the timeout. Of course, no more than three to four minutes and rather agree what will happen during that time and how they can think about their behavior and how to do it better next time. So, for example, you can say go to time out and come back when you feel ready and in control. I personally don't agree with calling it a naughty corner method as it doesn't have a structure or improvement measures and it can be confusing to children. Sending a child to a naughty corner can create fear and sounds as a punishment of neglecting their feelings. It is very important that you don't send children to a timeout as a form of punishment for the things they haven't done or they don't want to do. For example, don't send them to a timeout if they just don't like the food on the table or they don't want to play with a friend or they don't want to go to school, but rather to use this method of timeout when children are feeling frustrated and making a scene and out of control and I, I, I'm sure you know what I mean here. This will help them to calm down. Time out is equal to calm down moments and of course I need to also add that a time out discipline method is not for every child and it shouldn't be used frequently. So we need to agree with children, we need to explain to children around the, the forms of discipline that we are using and timeout will help them to cool down, to calm down when they are frustrated and feeling upset or they are not comfortable with the situation. 
I hope that you found the, the tips useful and uh, you will be sharing it with others who might also find it useful. I look forward to having you on the next episode. And please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at childsafeme or on our uh, social media platforms on Facebook following the same hashtag childsafeme. Thank you very much and I look forward to seeing you again.